This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Jeremy from HuffTuffer.com. Nice to meet you, Jeremy. Actually, nice to meet you, Jesse. Actually, we met uh, about a year ago, and I said, I'll have you on the podcast real soon. And then a year went by. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very good to be on the podcast. Very good indeed. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, coming on because um, you've got this amazing website, HuffTuffer, that I tell everybody about, and most people give it a shot after I rave rave about it for a long time. Not everybody uses it that um, you know signs up. You know, I see people's accounts, and I see, oh yeah, he's he's done one, and then I see other people, and they're they're using it like I do, which is uh, to pick to pick MP3 files out of other other podcasts or just loose MP3 files on the web and and turn them into their own podcast. Uh, for either themselves yeah. or for their friends or for whatever reason. It's a great service. Yeah, I don't think it's a service for everybody because, well, I mean, not everybody's into, into audio or into no. podcasting. You know, I basically built it for myself to scratch my own itch. I wanted a way to gather together these kind of homeless MP3 files from around the web and be able to subscribe in iTunes, and it didn't exist. So I built it, and it's kind of a bonus that anybody else uses it, really. Um, I, I'm surprised how few people seem to use it. I, you know, when I when I'm away for a couple of days, it says nine new people since you were last here, and I think only nine. Yeah. <laughs> well, like like I say, I don't think it's a really mainstream thing. And the interesting thing about something like HuffDuffer, where the actual benefit of the website happens when you're not at the website. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's next time you're on a long train journey, or in the car, or on a plane, and you're catching up with all these. Uh, pieces of audio that you've huffed duffed, that's when it comes into its own, right? That's when it's useful is when you're, when you're not at the computer. Um, it's, it's so true. I think maybe, you know, going to the site and looking around and saying, yeah, this is, this is okay, but the, the killer app is, uh, is when, you're, when you're really far away from the keyboard. I'm not sure. I'm not, is, there a, is there another website that has that same, you know, it, its benefits are not present when you're there? Um, um, I can't think sure. of one. Yeah, I'm sure they're out there, but most, I guess most websites, the benefit is fairly clear that like you go to this page and then you see the thing you're looking for or you, you interact with the thing right there in the website. So it is kind of strange that the idea with HuffTuffer is you, you, you set things up for later, but you, you do your interaction with it by listening yeah, to it. Um, maybe people just don't like planning ahead that much. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Like I said, I built it for myself because I, I wanted something like that. You know, I want to be able to say, "Oh, here's something cool. I don't want to listen to it now. I want to listen to it later." Boom. Yeah, uh, because the thing is, is I don't listen to podcasts in front of my computer. I listen to them when I'm out and about in the world. And exactly, yeah. If if uh, if I want to have something good to listen to, I do have to set it up and I have to find some things. And and the great thing is, you you can add five or six uh, things you found on HuffDuffer. You can also, you know. I've got the. This is the. I think the the killer feature for me is is the Firefox extension that allows you to right click on any MP3 file and instantly add it to your podcast. That is brilliant. Yeah, that, that's that, I'd like. I'd like to have more tools like that actually to allow you to grab the audio from wherever you happen to be. Well, I was thinking, you know, uh, one of the things that keeps me on Firefox, uh, I love Google Chrome. It's it's a little bit clearer, a little bit lighter weight, 
boots a little faster. You know, it's got all those things that just make it a little cooler than Firefox for some features anyways. Um, one of the things that keeps me on Firefox is that there, there's this Huffduffer feature. Uh, is there a plan to, to extend it to Chrome or... You know, I think somebody might have built a Chrome plugin. Oh, really? I will, I will check that. I think somebody has done that. Um, that would be cool. I'll, I will double check on that, but I'm, it does ring a bell. And I should, if, if that's the case, I should definitely put it on the website and make it uh, up front and center. That would but be there's, always, there's always the bookmarklet anyway, which works in any browser where you start right. in the, you know. The I, I, I haven't found that one as, as, as awesome. It, I, that was out for much longer than the Firefox ex- extension. Um, yeah. I just... I don't use it as much. Um, I didn't use it as much as I do the right, you know, I'm so used to right clicking and looking at properties and all that stuff. So when I right click on a file anyways, to, to look at where the, the file is coming from, uh, it gives me this option and I think, Oh, well that's perfect. And that's sort of probably, that's probably a windows thing more than a, um, you know, browser, a browser thing. But I'm thinking, um, you know, there isn't. This is pretty much the perfectly developed website too. It's like I can't think of a lot more features other than you know, <laughs> it's so clean. You know, I, I think you've talked about on other podcasts about uh, about the way websites should be designed. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I you talk about, about that. Well, it's. I, th- I think the key is it's doing one thing and that's it. It doesn't try to be. Uh, too much, and there's a lot of websites they try. You know, there's, there's this whole saying that you know all software evolves until it can, until it becomes an email client. Right? <laughs> you you add you add on a social networking side, and then you add on oh, we'll add on messaging, and then before you know it, you've you've your recreated Facebook the, or something. exactly your Facebook. And um, Huffdover doesn't need to be that. I mean, I'm interested in adding on little features sort of round the edges mm-hmm. uh, about pulling in data to do with the audio, like augmenting the audio data with, I don't know, pictures from Flickr or articles from uh, newspapers or whatever. But the actual core functionality of the site is pretty much the same as the day it launched, which yeah. is you put audio into a, into a podcast. And, and the other thing is that a lot of the functionality actually doesn't happen on the website. It happens in your podcast software, right? So it acts, in a lot of ways, it's iTunes or, or whatever your podcast software is that does a lot of the hard work and you know, checking, has this uh, RSS feed been updated? Is there anything new to download? Oh, there is. I'll download it and, save, and I'll sync it up with your iPod. and All that stuff I don't even have to deal with. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. I don't know how long it takes to, to get in the, you know, when you right-click it, it's basically on the site as soon as it's put up. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it, 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 I mean, this is the greatest compliment you can give to any piece of software. It just works, you know. It, it, I've never had a you know Huffduffer fail. <laughs> um, you know, but there's no blue screens or black screens or you know little broken uh, broken feed icons besides you know be, besides things. The only thing it it doesn't do, as far as I'm aware, is anything other than MP3. So if you had a video podcast, I, I don't even know what formats they all come in, but. I've well, it, never... it doesn't. It doesn't do video, but it does do audio, other audio formats. So, for example, uh, you can make podcasts using M4A. I mm, think it is. Okay. And as long as as long as it's audio, you can huff duff it. Oh. Um, but but you can't do video. No. And yeah. That's I, I, by design. Again, I wanted it to do one thing, and I decided I would keep it audio, and I wouldn't expand it to video. And you know, a bunch of people have asked 
you know, when will there be video on Half Duffer? And I kind of think that that's probably something for a separate site because the way you would consume video would be very different to the way you consume audio, right? We're talking about how with audio, you, you listen to it in the car or on the plane or on the train. With video, I think it's more likely to be done maybe at the computer or it, it's something that takes your whole attention, basically, when you're watching a video. Well, that's what you would think, but uh, all the video podcasts I subscribe to, they just ride in my pocket while I'm listening to them. I don't even look at them at all. In fact, uh, okay. I, I hate I hate that they're video, but you know, if if somebody's putting it out as a video, it's just a guy standing there talking or Well, I'm surprised know. that they don't offer it as, you know, audio as well. You would think okay. that that would be the logical thing, but I guess you know, people come from a video background, think video. Yeah. And video is really, you know, audio is is radio and radio is not popular, so why would we you know, there's yeah. still a stigma to podcasts uh, yeah, being, still, being not like music a, and not, not, you know. I'm yeah, a, it's, it's the red-headed stepchild on the web, isn't it? Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's crazy about video. Video's the cool thing, but is, nobody really talks about audio and how cool audio can be. Audio is amazing. And uh, I, I know you run a, you, you run a, a website, uh, a, a blog, but you also have, don't you have um, a lot of MP3 files somewhere on a, a, another website? I'm pretty sure. I know, I know. I see your feed on Huffduffer. Well, um, there's different MP3s of me out there because, yeah. with my day job being making websites and talking about making websites, uh, whenever I'm speaking at a conference, quite often that'll be recorded and they'll release a podcast of that. So I've I've gathered together as many of them as I can on my own site, and I get them transcribed as well and published the transcriptions on my own site. And I'm also I also play in a band. So there's plenty of MP3s of the band on the, the band website, which is salterkane.com. Um, and we actually just released an album that's uh, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. Very nice. So all the audio is available to use, and it's pod safe and can be used uh, as long as it's attribution to the band given. So, yeah, there's MP3 files of me floating around out there. Um, I'm just looking through your, your podcast. We have very similar tastes, except... Uh, except I don't do any programming at all. And so I see, you know, the combination, you, you know, you're doing um, uh, lots of PBC, lots of CBC, and then um, there's, uh, you know, the, uh, the occasional random podcast. Uh, Technical uh, stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, something plugged in there. Uh, skeptic, skeptic check, Saucer's Apprentice. I say, hmm, oh, I'll add that to my feed and just hit the Huff Duffer button. Uh, do I want to edit any of the stuff? No, I'll just Huff Duff it. And then it's done. Yeah, yeah. And I found I found now Huffduffer is a great way for me to find the audio, which I I didn't expect when I started it up. You know, I thought Huffduffer is a space where I'm going to keep my audio or you know keep it all in one place or organize it. And uh, now with other people using it, um, yeah, I'm constantly finding things that I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have found otherwise. Um, well, it's 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 surprising how much I find when I'm the guy who's always out on the internet looking for audio for my my own website, um, and yet. And yet, um, there is every once in a while there's something there, and it's oh, this is this is terrific. But one of the things I think I'm, I'm probably doing a disservice to the community is I'm not using the uh, the tags anymore. I started off using the tags and loving the tags, and then I've got really lazy, and now oh, I just that's a hit. Shame. I know that's a shame. It is I do, a shame. I, I do check. I do hit up like the um, sci-fi or science fiction tag. 
you know, to see if something new has been added into that space. I know, and I mean, I'm not sure. The search as well. The search will catch stuff if if it's if it's in the title or the description. But I, uh, I don't even I don't even do that. Like uh, half the time, you know, I'm I'm about to leave the house, and I think oh, I'll get I'll get a couple things to add to my huffdiver in case not, none of my regular podcast feed have anything good. Uh, and so I find two files on some website, you know, right click, um, and I don't even edit whatever it says. So it'll just say, you know, my browser, not even my browser, it might say the website name. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, is there a way to, because uh, I know when you click on some things, it will give a much more detailed title than what uh, other other people will have. And I think that's based on, on the the post rather than the file itself how does it work exactly well what it does okay so so let's say there's a somebody's linking to an mp3 file on their on their blog or on the on their website Mm -hmm. and by default huftaf will grab whatever text they're using to link to the mp3 file so if the mp3 file says the latest episode then that's going to be the text the latest episode but what i noticed with doing that was a lot of people were linking to mp3 files just using the text download so Half of the things being huffed after were being titled "download," which isn't no. very descriptive. No. So I added, I added a little check to say, okay, if the text of the link is simply "download," then let's try to get a bit smarter. And then it looks at the title of the page. So then it looks at what it says in the actual title of the in your browser window, which is usually going to be something more descriptive, like the latest episode of this podcast. Right. And it takes that as the text. Um, and I could probably do a bit more along those lines of trying to be a bit clever and trying to pre-fill maybe the description, maybe try and pre-fill the tags even. There might be some way of doing that. Something. Yeah, because right now I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at my, own blo- my own RSS feed for my, pod- my podcast, my website. And when I click on anything that's an MP3 file, whether it's on my site, hosted on my site or not, it just says SFF Audio um, and then Sage, which is the the uh, RSS catcher I have. It doesn't right. give any details, and and I'm sure I have more. So if I click through, it might give me more um, more details on 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 the on the download. So I hit huffed up, and yeah. So now it has the SFF Audio Podcast number zero eight two, and then the website name. So it, yeah. it does give a little bit, but there's no description. That's as, that's as much and as no it does. Tag. Yeah. Yeah, and yet, get... and yet, if you look at my actual thing, it, I've got about fifty tags or fifteen tags or something. Right. The tricky post. thing. The tricky thing is figuring out that it's explicitly associated right. with the audio. What that you know that it is a tag and it's not just a string of text on the website. So, I mean, that's something I definitely need to look into and try and try and make that happen. Try and make it a uh, seamless. Yeah. I, I, any any way you can make it so that it is you know the one click seems to. Uh, mind you, you are servicing. What? Uh, how many people are there on Huffduff? Right? It doesn't really say. I I I get well, a you know, you sense. See, if you if you click through to to the people page, um, from the front page it says five thousand five hundred and thirty two. Okay, right. well that's that's not so bad. Yeah, I mean I don't know how many of those would actually be actively Huffduff. Oh, okay, you know? yeah, yeah, that makes I sense. Think a lot of people, you know, signed up to check it out, and maybe they don't actually use it, and that's fine. You know, there's no problem with signing up and not using it either. Um, but you know, there's a there's a fair number of people. But if you look through the stuff that gets huffed up, some people are very good about adding, you know, descriptive titles and descriptions and tags. Some people don't. They just, you know, have a title 
and That's uh, me, sadly yeah and I, I really i feel bad about it and i don't want to i want i want to i want to spend more time adding to those you know, things that, that's i used okay. to do it but um i guess it's because i use it so much um it's you know i've got 15 things uh i want to add real quick and i'm done out the door yeah fair enough when you're in a hurry that's why i need to make it a bit more seamless and try and make it so that you don't have to do as much work well, the, the tags, the tag cloud that's on there um, does include uh, individual ones. I see f- based on, you know, the original, if we go to the main page um, and we look at the tag cloud, the tag cloud is different for each, if, for the, for, let's see. Okay, so tags for the main website. Biggest is podcast episodes. Mm. Right, and this, that's, this is actually... Um the tag cloud for recent activity. So this is okay. just in the last okay. week or so. Gotcha. You know. um, and then random conversations that, that doesn't, you know, that's just something that recently must've been popular. Somebody must've added that. Cause that's, that's exactly. really not, that's re- really yeah. not detailed. You know, random conversation is, that's pretty random. Um, but when but I you click through, if you click through to the tags page, so huffduffer.com slash okay. tags, then you see sort of all time. Uh-huh. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I I didn't know that that existed, but now I want to add it. Um, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if maybe if the front page should be showing the all-time most popular tags, or whether it should be the recent stuff. The recent stuff made sense to me, but maybe it should be all-time. And I noticed that it's it's yeah it's it's uh, not alphabetical. It's um it's by size, I guess. So music is number one. Mills. Yeah. What is Mills? I don't know, but a lot of people have clearly uh, tagged stuff with Mills. Yeah, there well, probably one user who's really, yeah. really into Mills. <laughs> yeah. uh, and science fiction is number four, so now I feel like I should tag a lot more. There you go. Just science fiction. That's yeah. a popular tag. 2008 is the least popular tag. Oh, wait, wait, this is... Okay, all right, I'm getting it. Yeah, so it's got, there's also, now what's a machine tag as opposed to a, a So, tag? a machine tag is a very interesting idea that was first tried out, the first place I saw it was on Flickr. Um, so on Flickr for years you've been able to tag with, you know, anything, you know, pool party, me, my family, blah, 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 you tag your pictures. Mm-hmm. And they introduced this idea of machine tags, which is a tag where you, you make up what it is, um, just like with a normal tag, but it has a specific structure. And the structure is something colon something else equals your tag. So, for example, on, on Flickr, you could tag um, photos that were from a, a, a Last.fm concert. You'd say Last.fm colon event equals and then a specific ID. So what happened on HuffDapper was, I, this wasn't even my idea, it was actually a user started doing this machine tagging, and I noticed it, was this user was tagging things, for example, book colon author equals... And then the name of an author, right? So book colon author equals Ian Philip M. Banks. Philip K. Dick. Right? Philip K. Dick. Banks, there you yeah. go. Exactly. So I thought, oh, that's, that's actually really cool that somebody's started to do it. So I started to do it myself. And then I started building in into HuffDuffer uh, ways of using those machine tags. So if you explicitly tag something uh, with this, this sort of vocabulary, not, not vocabulary, with this uh, format, something mm-hmm. colon something else, right? Film colon title equals Star Wars or book colon author equals uh, Philip K. Dick. Then on the page of that piece of audio, that, that huffed aft item, I will go out and try and grab information from elsewhere on the web because oh, now I know it's specifically oh. about 
this book or specifically about this author. So you'll see um, links from Amazon appearing on that page. You'll see links to uh, you know, New York Times articles or articles on the Guardian uh, website. Um, you know, if it's music, you can say music colon artist equals Salter Kane, and that will try and pull in information from Last.fm or, again, from Amazon. So if you click through on any of those machine tags to see what's been tied with them, you'll notice that down the, the side of the page... Um, yeah, it's got the Guardian and, and Amazon. Yeah. I'm looking at the Philip K. Dick one, and it's got uh, links to the uh, Guardian posts from 2002 and 2008, and then Amazon, it's got basically all his, his in-print books. Right, so it's kind of a reward for using the machine tags, that particular format, which I guess... you know, And related tags. It gives you a related tags cloud as well. Right, well, you get that for any tag, which, um, which can be quite handy as well to see, okay, people who've tagged stuff with this are also tagging with, right? So for Philip K. Dick, you see they're also tagging with short story or biography and mm-hmm. uh, click through on those. So that could be a fun way of exploring the site through the tags. The nice thing is also on the Huff, every user has their own tag cloud. So right, yeah. if you click through your own, your own uh, profile, you've got your own tag cloud. Now, if you were to click through on any one of those tags, you would see everything you have tagged, not everything everybody has tagged, just everything you have tagged with a particular tag. And the nice thing is that has its own RSS feed as well. So I could subscribe. Yeah, that's the, that was the coolest feature when I, I, I started making this page. I, I made, uh, I, I did the you know, Orson Scott card selects. Right. So Audible put out these MP3 files on their website that were not in a podcast. And it was basically Orson Scott Card talking about another audiobook that had just come out and why you should, you know, download it, why, why it's a good book to listen to. And mm-hmm. they did maybe 10 of these, and I thought, oh, well, this, this is a really cool thing, but nobody's ever going to see it because there's no RSS feed for the website. There's no way to find it. So now when you click on Orson underscore Scott underscore Card underscore Selects, um, You've got a complete list of all all ten of the releases, and yeah. they're still there. They're they're tagged, and that's right. I, and I if, put if, these, if this I on my to, website. It's got an iTunes link. Exactly, and if I wanted to subscribe to you know just that stuff, but not everything that you've huffduffed, I can do that because pretty much every page on Huffduffer has a corresponding podcast. So I could subscribe to anything everybody ever tags with Philip K. Dick, or I could subscribe to everything you tag with Philip K. Dick or just everything you have to have. I, got, I have that choice of, uh, of what I subscribe to. I, I love, I love uh, in a way, how small it is now, too, because I remember when we talked uh, about a year ago, I was telling you about this, this little thing I was doing where I was making a list of, uh, take MP3 files that are uh, an audio book somebody has put on some website somewhere, and I string them together to make a podcast. And I said, oh, it's too bad that the, it only lets you do 10, I think it was 10 um, mm. uh, things per feed. 10, 10, and he said, oh, well, I can increase that, and it was up to 20. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the cool thing is because it's small, yeah. you're still able to you exactly. know, go and I, I, fiddle with it. Yeah, I've got, I, I've got uh, an account for Huffduffer on this site, uh, Get Satisfaction, which is kind of a site for, for managing yeah, feedback and suggestions. And uh, Pretty much any time anybody posts something there, it might be an idea or, uh, you know, they're confused about something. It's usually really valuable. I can either say, oh, well, that's a good idea, and I'll, I'll add that straight away. Or, huh, it's interesting that they're confused by that. I need to make something clearer. Um, but, yeah, because it's, you know, it's just me um, and it's such a small little site, 
I can I can react pretty quickly and change things without without worrying about breaking any big system. You know, it's it's a it's a fairly small self-contained site. So bumping up the number of items in a podcast feed from ten to twenty was uh, was pretty straightforward. It was kind of an arbitrary number anyway, so it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, well, every you know, it's always a top ten list. Well, I I want a top seventeen list. You know, I <laughs> I don't know why we're obsessed with you know the number ten. Sound numbers just because we, we have ten fingers, fingers exactly. on each hand. It's not reasonable. Yeah. or ten toes. Maybe people are counting toes. Who knows? But yeah, it's it's an arbitrary wrong number. Um, one other issue that I'm really glad hasn't come up uh, as much as I was worried it was. Uh, that is people tagging, uh, huff duffing, uh, podcasts of machine read uh, books and machine read stories. You know, uh, computer yeah, the- computer. Computer voicing is horrible, and yet I yeah, know there's, there's, people do it. There's a few it. of them out there. There's a few of them out there, and people have huffed up a few, and have kind of, you know, I've been, I've been roped in. I thought, oh, somebody's reading this great uh, science fiction yeah. book. Uh, I'm going to huff up it. And then I listen to it, like, oh, it's just a, it's just a Mac OS X voice doing it, you know, Stephen Hawking style. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. No it's, offense it's to Stephen Hawking, but I really don't want to yeah. listen to him talk. Exactly. That said, though, I mean, there's also lots of people doing some great audio readings themselves, and there's some, some amazing good stuff. stuff. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm constantly surprised at the the amount of great narration that's that's happening by amateurs, and um, uh, it's it's fantastic. I mean, uh, this this is um, a really is a great way to explore. But um, I'm wondering, how did you? How did you, you know, go from the development uh, of the idea to the actual development? How long did that take to to make a great website like this? I, I assume it took, you know, nine months of constant, you know, fiddling and I don't know. I don't know how to code, so I don't know what I'm talking about. How 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 big a project was this? Well, the the, the idea was a couple of years ago. I remember distinctly because. It was because this friend of mine, uh, John Hicks, who's another uh, web designer, he was making a podcast by hand, right, where he would point to um, audio files that uh, bands would put online, right? Some mm-hmm. band, up-and-coming band, would put three, four songs on their website, say, hey, check us out. And he was making a sort of curated RSS feed where he'd point to one of these files on, on, on some, somebody else's site and say, oh, I like this song, this is the band, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a really good idea. And it was the first time I realized that, okay, if you want to have a podcast you don't actually need to be hosting the files yourself, right? That actually all a podcast is really is another form of hypertext. All you're doing is pointing at an MP3 file, and that MP3 file doesn't need to be your MP3 file in the same way that when you, when you have a link on a website, it doesn't need to be something on your own site. You can link to something on somebody else's site. So when I realized that podcasting was kind of this, this other form of hypertext, just pointing to audio files, um, I thought, well, you know, I would really like to have a curated podcast feed as well. Not so much for music, but for spoken word things, you know, uh, presentations at conferences, things like that. But the act of making the RSS feed by hand is just a pain in the ass, right? It's, it is a nightmare. It's technical. Yeah, so, so that's, that was the genesis of Was Okay, I will try and make a tool to automate the creation of the RSS feed. And then I started thinking, well, you know, that's useful for me. It might be useful for somebody else, so I'll make it a website uh, built around a tool for generating the RSS feed. Um, and then a lot of it was just kind of me humming and hawing about how I was going to build it, you know, which technologies would I use to do the, the server-side programming and all that. 
once I got down to it and got stuck in, it didn't take too long. I can't remember exactly how long it took, but the, the fundamental sort of um, structure of what's going on behind the scenes isn't that complicated in that you've got basically things like people, right? The users of the website. So that's one. Me. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's one, one thing in the database is, is the people, the users. And so you've got the users. And then the other thing is the audio, right? The, the, the piece of audio being huff-tuffed. And it's basically the combination of the two, right? Users doing audio. That's That's kind of as complicated as it gets. And everything else is... You know, title, description, tags, that's kind of it. So it's not actually that complicated. It's um, it's the network effects that make it good. It's just, you know, once people start using it and, and people start tagging multiple things with the same tag, that the tags become useful. Right. Um, but the, the actual, you know, underlying technology isn't that complicated. There's nothing that clever going on. And, and like I said, actually, a lot of the hard work actually gets done by your podcasting software, right? iTunes does a lot of the hard work. That it's not really built into HuffTuffer, it's it's built into podcasting as a technology. So, right. uh, so I can't remember how long it took to build, but uh, I've had a lot of fun with it because it's something I was doing. You know, I, I build websites for a living at um, at this company, Clear Left, uh, where I work, and it's good. But it's also really nice sometimes to do something that isn't for a client. You know, or right. where I'm the client and I get to you get call the, the final shots. say. Yeah, although I, could, I I get the final say. Although I think I'm I'm my own worst client. Because, you know, I want it to be just right, you know, and I keep fiddling with things and I'm like, I need to just launch it instead of, you know, moving everything one pixel slightly to the left or one pixel to the right. You know, just launch it, get it out there. Um, and I have to keep telling myself that. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just get it out there. Well, yeah, you get it out there and then and then you'll have to change it once you figure out what's wrong with it exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's the theory, but that's what I have to keep reminding myself because, uh even though I knew that in principle, in practice, I'm sitting there going, oh, I can't launch it just yet. It's not, it's not quite ready. Um, but I've, I've gotten better now with just putting it out there and, and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't and changing things on the fly. One, one of the uh, podcasts I listen to, you talk, uh, m- most of the stuff you talk about is totally beyond me just because, again, I don't program anything. And, and yet uh, I remember listening to you talk about one of the um, – one of the uh, Things you were saying about how a website should 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 fit whatever screen the person has, whether it's on, on an iPhone screen, you know, or a a a full size, you know, giant monitor, or yeah, or that's something got, I feel I feel quite strongly about. I think there's there's far too many websites where the they've got the a designer, mobile version and then they've got the regular one, which. Right, right, which is, first of all, it's kind of an arbitrary distinction. Um, you know, what are you basing the, this difference on? Is it because of the different screen size, or is it because you're thinking there's different bandwidth availability? It's, it's, it's never clear exactly, you know, what am I supposed to get? And then there's these devices that are kind of halfway in between, like an iPad. You know, what, what am I supposed to get, the mobile yeah. version or desktop version? So I, I feel very strong. You're supposed to get the iPad possible. button version where you, it becomes right, its right. own app, right? Yeah, own app in the app store, which just seems a waste of time if all that the app is going to be is you is know, the web pages. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I feel strong that where possible, you should just have something that's, that's flexible and robust enough to fit, fit the user's decision, right? So the user's made a decision about how wide their browser is or what browser they're using, what technology Presumably. they have. I think a lot of people yeah. don't know that they can change, you know. Well, fair the, enough. But the then popularity they of Internet Explorer makes me very... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, surprised he in the that case. people are using the internet even. Yeah. 
even in the case of Internet Explorer, you know, everything's still going to work fine for them, but it might not look as pretty as it would if they were using Firefox or Safari or a better browser like that. But I'm still not going to turn them away, right? I'm not going to say no, you should be using this technology. Yeah. So I, I feel strongly about yeah trying to serve up the same page to everybody, but that doesn't mean that everybody gets this, exactly the same locked-in uh, structure of that page, the same layout of that page. That the layout should adapt to to the user, um, which can be hard for for web designers to accept. That, you know, you kind of have to let go of the control and say that the user has the decision about how wide the page is going to be, how wide, how much content can fit, um, you know, on one screen. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's something I feel strongly about. And with HuffDuffer, it's actually pretty easy to do because, again, it's not that complicated. Most pages is just a list of, of audio files with some... A couple of tiny icons. Yeah. Um, so, so with HuffDuffer, it's actually uh, it was a no-brainer. Like, yeah, it, it almost seems to have been designed under that philosophy because it is, it is uh, very much like... It looks like if, if Mac made websites the way they make you know, their, their, their PCs... Uh, it would look like this, very stripped down, very, you know, one button sort of layout, no fancy, I mean, you, I guess you have a fancy font <laughs> for some Yeah, stuff, the typography, the one, the one thing I decided I would, I, would, I would, you know, spend time on was the typography. If I get nothing else great. right, thank you, thank you. That's the one thing I did sort of sweat over. It's like, I want to make sure the typography is, is just right. But then for the rest of it, you know, it's, it's okay that it's, it's bare bones, it's basic, it's laid out fairly simply. I think a lot of people when they're building websites, they, they think, okay, I've got this big desktop screen. Yeah, I've got to fill it up with interesting pictures. I've got to fill it up, exactly. I've got to, I've got to fill up the edges with all this stuff. And then that, that kind of bites you on the ass when you come to look at it in a mobile screen, which is smaller, and you say, oh, all that stuff I filled it up with really doesn't need to be there, and it's kind of just taking up space now, and I wish I hadn't put it in. So I resist it the temptation to to fill up the edges so to speak and just let yeah, there are there are big blank spaces but you don't notice them because you're concentrating on on the stuff you're you know you're skimming through and, and that that actually keeps your attention uh, a lot more focused i guess well, that's the idea yeah that the content should should take center screen right that, that mostly what the user's doing is they're, they're looking to see um, some audio files and uh, decide what to have stuff and and everything else will kind of get in the way. So, you know, when I do add things around the edges, like we were talking about, you know, the Amazon links and the, um, you know, pulling yeah. in things from the places. But that's not even on the main page. That, that's, you exactly. have to dig deep to get those. Right. They're kind of, they're, they're, they're kind of buried, almost, almost like Easter eggs. You, you kind of have to stumble across them. Um, but the main functionality is, is front and center, and there's nothing much more to it. I, 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 I just like the idea that... Uh, one of my friends is a programmer, and he talked about how, you know, coding is. Uh, he read this book about coding as an art, and and that there is a way of, you know, saying yeah, this works, but it's horrible, and it it you know it's just wrong. Whereas this is beautiful because it's so simple and easy, and um, because you are a programmer and you made it for yourself, uh, you you can express all those. Uh, those philosophies in your product, yeah. right? Right, because I'm, I'm my own made client. For yourself. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's when when we were designing my blog, um, we went the opposite way, which is you know everything is a certain fixed width, and as the years have gone by, we've expanded it to fill up that screen, right? So you right. get more stuff, more stuff filling up your monitor space. But even looking at it now, I know that it's it's not it's not the right width. For most monitors, it's probably a good compromise for 
for some, but on a mobile on a mobile platform like my iPhone, it's hard to it's hard to read things. You know, it's just it's not doing what it doesn't bother me because I know what's on there. But I know it's not going to be the ultimate version, and yet I. I don't want to give up my fixed width picture, you know, at the top. And because I've got it worked up and I've got this background of knowing how wide each column is and knowing how how the dimensions of each image is, um, it, there's this lag that I don't think we're going to see websites uh, all suddenly look like yours anytime soon. Uh, yeah. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think, well, there's a lot of inertia. Um, yeah, inertia, uh, that was the word I was going for. Yeah, I, th- I think also because a lot of web designers come from a print background, and in, in print design, you do know the dimensions you're designing for, right? You, right. you have a, a canvas essentially, which is the page, and you you design for that for that uh, width and that height, and that's really great when you're doing that because it means you know you have that constraint and you can work within it. And with the web, uh, in practice, there there are no constraints because you don't know the width, you don't know the height, you don't know the speed of the browser, you don't know the capabilities. So what browsers do is they kind of impose um, constraints such as, well, we'll assume this width or we'll assume this, this height and then work with it within those con- constraints because it's it's what designers are used to from other mediums like, like print. So I think it's very, very hard to to get away from that way of thinking but I do think that the web, as its own medium, uh, has, a, has a different set of, of criteria that doesn't involve having this fixed canvas. But I do agree it's going to take a long time for people to come around to that. There's, some, there's been some interesting technological um, improvements recently that could make the transition easier. I, would, I don't want to get out, you know, too technical or anything, but uh, we've just, I've seen some trends lately that lead me to think that there there may be a way of sort of having your cake and eating it too, a way of serving up the same page to different devices, but having it look tailored to each device, or to at least look pretty good on each device without having to give up, you know, the the you know the the, the images and the. Uh, the way you want it to look on on large screen devices, but yeah, right now it's definitely a period of transition. It'd be interesting to see how how things go. I mean, the the alternative is that people just keep building separate sites for separate devices, which just doesn't scale, right? Where you it's build terrible. Oh, here's my it's site. a terrible idea. Yeah, uh, right. um, here's here's one for the desktop. Here's one for the iPhone. Here's one for the Android. Here's one. Yeah, for and one for each browser too. That when we when we were working uh, on it, you know, we got. It works fine in Firefox, and then you go to IE, and it's like, oh, my God. But why is this all over the place like that? And This is what makes web development, in some ways, one of the most hostile software development environments around, is that you do have to bear in mind that there's these different browsers with different capabilities. And I think the worst thing you can do is try and give each one of them exactly the same experience, try and make it look exactly the same pixel for pixel mm. in every browser, because that, that'll never happen. That just won't happen. I'll tell but you, one, you of the, one of the things that I, I think m- might do it, if it ever takes off, um, is you know, three things have really changed for me in the last ten years on the internet. One is podcasting. Um, mm-hmm. Podcasting has changed the way I consume audio on the internet. When When audio was on the internet at first it was real audio and that was hideous because you had to stand there in front of your computer listening to whatever it was then people uh started to create podcasts which were almost all in mp3 format you could take it away then huff Duffer came along 
And I thought, wow, now I can make all those podcasts that I was so angry that weren't podcasts. They say, check out my podcast. And they've got an MP3 file on their website. Yeah, yeah. Thanks People so use much. The word podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I think MP3 file equals podcast. Sorry. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Um, just because it's on the web, on the internet, and it's an MP3 file does not mean it's a podcast. But now it, I don't, I, I'm not as resentful as I used to be because I can just right-click on that file, and it, it is a podcast. And I don't even, you know, when, when people send me links to their MP, MP3 files, I don't even correct them anymore, saying, you know, you know it isn't a <laughs> That's podcast. Good. That's good. I because feel like a huge amount of anger out there. Have. But the, the, the third thing, uh, or the fourth thing, maybe, uh, is... Uh, RSS reading. And so mm-hmm. I don't interact with a lot of websites through their, you know, visiting their website. I go to the RSS and I, I just check my feeds and see what's on there. And that doesn't show up in the way that they wanted it presented originally, you know. It doesn't have the big banner at the top, but I don't need the ad banner. It doesn't have the ads in most cases. I don't need the ads, right? I You're just right. want and the I new think, content. I think originally this was this was actually kind of hard for designers to accept that people were going to be able to consume the content the way they wanted to do it. And the designer wasn't going to have any control about what was around the content or how the content was presented because it was being presented in an RSS feed or an RSS reader, which you know just presents it as plainly as the user wants it. And I think that was hard for designers to, to get their head rounds for a while. Now they've come to accept that. And I've actually started to see more trends in that direction. So, for example... Um, there's, a, there's a bookmarklet called Readability, which allows you to click on this bookmarklet when you're looking at any page. So you might be looking at a newspaper article on a newspaper site, and there's ads everywhere, and the content is in this narrow column in the middle of the page. And there's all sorts of secondary content that you're not interested in. You click this bookmarklet, and it very, very cleverly strips away all the crap and just presents you with the, what you want to read, almost like looking at it in an RSS reader. And actually, when Apple... Um, brought out the most recent version of their Safari browser, they had this functionality built in that there's a button you can click when wow. you're looking at a, an article on a newspaper site, for example, and it will strip away the rubbish. Now, again, this scares a lot of people, right? There's a lot of, especially advertisers yeah. um, and the designers as well who are like, wait a minute, you're, you're, you know, you're ruining the way I presented my content. But I kind of see it as part of the same trend that started with RSS and also with podcasting where it's up to the user. The user decides when they want to listen to audio. The user decides where they want to read your content. And you know, as a designer, you kind of have to accept that. And what a good designer will do, I think, is, is go with it and think, how can I make my content as portable as possible? How can I make sure that my content uh, will make sense in all of these different contexts, in an RSS reader, in a mobile browser, you know, in a in a podcast, you know, it, mm-hmm. that's, that's the trend I'm seeing. And I think it's, it's scary. Like we were saying, you know, there's inertia that's, that's always going to be difficult to battle against, but I'm seeing that trend of this, you know, it's the old cliche, right? Information wants to be free. Yeah. It's, it's well, kind people like want to make it free. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I see that as a really good trend that, that the people want to be able to get at this information, get at this content in the way that they want. And a good designer will go with that and will allow that to happen. And a bad designer will try and sort of hold on and, and keep control and, and you know, have a tight grip on how the information is presented. But it's, it's a losing battle, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's who's paying for it. If, if, if you're doing what they want and they insist on doing it a certain way, then it, 
doesn't sound like very fun, but it, it's what pays the bills, right? Well, I mean, if if, you, if your business model depends on you know presenting content in a certain way, in one fixed sort of way, then your business model might need readjusting. I think um, you know I could get onto the whole subject of advertising and and as a sustainable business model, and I don't think it really is. And you know that that's a whole other discussion, really. Yeah, it's it's it, it is interesting, but I, I know there's the um, like for example, there's a website called Dark Roasted Blend that I would love to visit uh, more often. But even in my RSS catcher, the pictures are way too big and don't scale. That they, they do not shrink down to to the right side. This is a basically a picture blog, mm. and yet because of the 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 format of what they're they're setting it up, they don't squish down to the right size. They they extend off the screen into a place where you can't even scroll, so you actually have to click through. And I, I don't know. I, I, it's amazingly popular, but I don't know how. I, you know, maybe everyone else has a much wider monitor than me, but I don't think so. I've got a twenty-seven inch monitor. That's pretty big. What's what's this, what's the story? You know, uh, well, because they've yeah, got I mean, their. I guess, I guess that's that's a designer making a decision, and in a way, I can respect it. You know, they're saying this is this is the way we're calling the shots. The content is going to dictate that it has to be viewed in this environment, but I, like I say, it doesn't scale, right? It's it's not gonna, it's not something that you could see foresee lasting a long time. Um, having having the the browsing environment dictated by the website um, generally isn't a good long term proposition. No, I I like I like uh, that you're a little bit optimistic about about what's coming what's coming and. Um, you know there are a lot of features out there that I'm not using that I know will improve my life. Um, you know, blocking ads and and such uh, through the browsers. But what what do you foresee? Um, you know, in in five years, are we going to be still talking about you know blogs in the same way that we are now? And and are, I I I just assumed that Huffduffer was going to blow up huge, right? <laughs> I just assumed, you know, oh my god, this thing's going to be huge because I use it so much. I love it so much. But I I guess I'm, you know, if I try and model the world on on myself, I'm not going to, you know, find it. You know, 5,000 people is not a huge number. Well, uh, the thing is, for the, for the, the internet. Great, the, yeah, but the great thing about the internet, the great thing about the web is you don't need to be a big hitter, right? Does this that's right. Traditionally, traditionally, you know, twentieth century um, culture, broadcast culture has been you. You have a number of sort of big hits, the big, the big names in music and books, what have you. And to succeed, you have to be a big name, right? To be a successful singer, you need to be selling X amount of records. To be a successful author, you need to be selling X amount of books. Um, so you have a, you have a few winners and lots and lots of losers. That's basically the way that the 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 marketplace worked for for most of the. 20th century but with the world wide web it's okay to you know to get by to you know let's say you're a writer and you're writing your blog it isn't about the number of people it isn't about how many people are reading your blog it's about which people are reading your blog yeah. so you know there might only be five or ten people reading your blog but if they're the right five or ten people then your blog is a success and it's kind of like that with Huffdever it's never going to be a huge success because what it does is a fairly niche activity right yeah you know, Facebook, that, that would Facebook really have huge, to be 
you know, it's it's a subset of people who already listen to podcasts, a very exactly. small subset. Exactly. And that's okay. That's the thing, because on the web, you, you, it's not like everybody's competing. There isn't a, there isn't a limited shelf space on the web. Yeah, that's, right? so so that's the thing competing. we always have to remember is that... Yeah, HuffStuffer doesn't compete against Twitter or Facebook or, or Flickr or any of these big sites. It's, it, there's plenty of room on the web. And it's actually in those those niche areas, I think, that the web really excels. When you find that site where it seems to be made just for you, right? Where you think, wow, this is so perfect for me. And maybe you and 10 other people in the world are going to think this is the best website ever. And I know that website will never be a huge success, but it doesn't need to be. There's no, there's no problem with, with having lots and lots and lots and lots of niche websites. You don't have to be this uh, huge success on the web, which I find really, really empowering. You know? I, I think it's wonderful. T- I think it's really wonderful as well. But, but then if it's – see, I, I, I also worry. I said, what happens if somebody, you know, uh, Jeremy keeps riding down the road and all of a sudden somebody hits him with a car? My huff duffer has gone, right? This is- now, that's a fair point. That's, that's a fair point to do with – using a third-party service for anything. And it's something I've been thinking a lot about because th- this has happened to me in the past. I've used third-party websites to mm-hmm. you know, share information, and those websites got closed down. I used to use a site called Pounce all the time. There was another website called Magnolia for sharing bookmarks, and uh, that, uh, the servers crashed and, and took all the information with them. So uh, it's something to worry about, definitely. Even the sites I, I trust right now, like I put my pictures on Flickr, I trust Flickr. Yeah. I still have this feeling in the back of my head, like, yeah, is this a long-term yeah, solution? Yeah, should I delete them off my hard drive because they're... they're st- yeah, I certainly think that you want to be keeping copies yourself of anything that's important to you. You should probably keep yourself and probably keep on your own website as well. Um, but I don't feel yeah, the need to print out copies of, of yeah, you know, yeah, don't need Wikipedia to print pages, for example. You know, uh, I actually have done that, and I, I like to see how they've changed, you know, in the last five years, but... But the, the, the thing is, is Wikipedia has got sort of this, um, it's not going anywhere. Because it's not corporate, right? It, it's not going to get bought out and, you know, dumbed down. It's, 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 well, it's uh, big enough it's that, that it's not run by one yeah. guy, right? It's kind of, at this, at this stage, Wikipedia is like too big to fail, right? It becomes <laughs> such a resource um, for humanity, essentially, that... Um, it would, the inertia is to keep Wikipedia going, whereas I think the inertia for most websites is, you know, towards entropy, which is basically just they just die. One day you wake yes. up and the website's just died off. They get uh, merged or you know switched over. Yeah, right. No, it just stops working properly, or exactly. or it just exactly. it gets what you you know it's got that feature creep problem where they just keep adding things until the thing you actually liked is is so buried or so not important to their focus anymore that they don't care about it. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is definitely a problem, and, and I absolutely feel for your your worry about you know one day I could wake up and Huffduffer could be gone. I mean, all I can do is say, you know, I I endeavor I to make sure I wear a helmet. Like say, yeah, nope. I wear a helmet exactly. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Look I, both ways before you cross. I, I might not see that bus coming, and then uh, this is another thing. You know, when we when we get domain names, we buy a domain name. We don't really buy a domain name. We rent it for yeah. two, one year, two years. That's a really short time. You it know, is. That's, it's kind of frightening how fragile uh, the web is and how fragile URLs are. Yeah, this is actually something that keeps me awake at night. It it, it is one project we we or I I found based on another person's website uh, was that there was this 
great website called uh, Seeing Your Theater, which was a spin-off of the uh, Sci-Fi Channel in the United States. And this is during, during the first uh, dot-com bubble. They were investing tons of money on the Internet with no plan of trying to make revenue from it. And what happened was they started making audio drama again in the United States. And it was fantastic and amazing and wonderful. And it, was, it went for about three years. And then funding is cut off in like the middle of a, you know, a 10 episode run of something and something, you know, ends at episode eight and it says coming next week. And it never came. Right. But they left it alone for a long time. They left it alone for a long time and then they cut it off. It just disappeared completely. You, You know, you could access it for another five years after I guess it, it stopped and then it disappeared completely. And those real audio files went, went away. But yeah, I mean, people have started putting them up on archive.org and MP3. Yeah, archive.org is great. Archive.org is, is fantastic as, as a resource. The, the issue is that archive.org itself, though, is another centralized service. It is this one place. Run, I mean, Brewster Kale's doing a great job, but I would love if there was some so, sort of distributed archive.org. That would be one. Uh, you know, but I do think archive.org is, is definitely the right thing. And it's not even the good stuff that's, that it's important to keep. In a way, it's almost... It's keeping just a snapshot of what the world is like right now. I want to be able to have that in the future for future archaeologists, you know, in a way. Yeah, maybe the Wayback like Machine is amazing, but it's not. Yeah. It's actually not complete. And Yeah, and I think uh, it probably comes from this, the science fiction mindset, you know, thinking in terms of, of future, long-term futures and thinking about how people will look back in their own time. That I think when something like when GeoCities got shut down by Yahoo!, Mm-hmm. Just you know, decided. Oh, we'll just pull the plug on it. Get rid of all those URLs. I thought it was such a crying shame. Now, some people did try and save as much content as they could, and it's not like that content was was valuable. A lot of well, it. Well, some of it was okay, but some was okay. But that's not the important thing. The no. important thing. You know, some human being thought that this is worth putting online. That you know, their their poetry or their fan page for some obscure TV show, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not for us to judge whether that's worth keeping or not. It's it's the fact that. The fact that somebody put it up there is in itself, you know, part of our culture. The, the the ugly along with the beautiful, right? The good along with the bad. And I felt it was such an arrogant decision when they decided to close down GeoCities just because I guess it wasn't paying the bills. It's like that's such a huge, huge, you know, snapshot of of human culture. You know, not the prettiest snapshot, but so important. And yeah, I do think sometimes it comes from um, having having that perspective from a lot of science fiction of thinking about. You know the long now, yeah. Uh, really, really helps when we're looking at such short-term technology like the web, where we rent domain names by the year or by two years. You compare this to to science fiction authors who write about time spans much, much longer, and you start to examine our own culture in light of that. It's the you know, Isaac it's- Asimov's foundation, basically, right? Is is uh, the empire's collapsing? What can we do to prevent the empire <laughs> exactly. from collapsing? And if we can't stop it, how do we how do we re- plan for the future to revive? Exactly. How do we like, save like uh, Canticle for Leibowitz or something mm-hmm. or uh, Anathem? Right, Neil Stevenson's book is is, is pretty much all about uh, you know cultural preservation or technological preservation through time. And uh, I, I think I wish more people uh, would read this stuff or just have that that mindset. Um, I mean, there are some. Do you, you know about the Long Now Foundation? Sure, sure. Yeah, and I mean that—that's great. Now, just encouraging people to think in that that sort of Long Now way is great. I think, especially on the web, where everything is so much about now, 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 
And, and the buzzword, especially right now with things like Twitter, is about the real-time web. It's all about the real-time, you know, communicating instantaneously, which is, which is great and it's important. But also, we're putting up this content online. We're, we're, we're putting it at URLs. We're, we're making it, you know, addressable and readable and pasteable and copyable. And it's wonderful. But then given a year or two, it starts to fade. It starts to drop away. It starts to disappear. You know, the natural state of content on the web seems to be to die eventually, mm. um, which, which I, 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 I really have trouble with. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we could, uh, how we could not have that short-term attitude with the web. Servers it's, on the moon is the only way we can. on the moon. We get, we've got we've to dig a big trench in the moon and fill it with the uh, with the web. PCs and yep yeah, and 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 load it up on load it all up on there redundantly it'll, it'll take uh what six seconds to get to get to us um uh, uh yeah I, about six yeah six light seconds but you know we have all of archive.org buried under the that's right yeah that's right and you know uh, occasional send, send an occasional microwave update and uh i think that would that would be really useful the the the, the real question is you know in ten thousand years when you know we've completely destroyed every bit of technology accessing that's going to be hard but ah, now that's the other side of it the formats we use yeah. and that's true and there there again basically text formats are going to be probably be the, the the longest to survive so things like html it's human readable it's just text yep. that's that all that's shows probably... up on archive.org as far as i'm aware yeah. or a uh, way, way back machine but, you know but pictures not all the pictures exactly. are there and there's pictures, no mp3 files there's no mp3 file saved yeah, binary data formats like audio and video and, and pictures are definitely tougher to preserve. There's no doubt about it. Um, plain text is better, but but even then, I mean, the fact that we, you know, step one has to be build a computer, right, to decode this stuff. It yeah. was really interesting when uh, when Carl Sagan was putting the the Voyager record together, right, mm-hmm. to, to about to potentially to be read by some unknown culture. This was. This to put the instructions on how to how to build the how to, uh, record player, how to build a gramophone player, basically. But and he could have decided to encode this data digitally, and he chose not to. He chose to go with the gramophone because step one of you know build a gramophone is still going to be a lot easier than step one build a computer, right? And encoding that instruction. So, in a way, though digital brings with it so much benefits, you know, the ability to copy something perfectly without damaging the original is probably the greatest advantage of, of digital technology. Um, the downside is that the, the barrier to entry uh, is, yeah, you've got to have something that, de- that can decode uh, digital information, which means build a computer. Um, yeah, yeah, it's tricky. I, I, I always like it when I find out that people are science fiction fans just by... <laughs> I mean, I, I, I knew you were smart, but now I know you're a science fiction fan too. Um, and that, yeah. that, that in, I, I would say made you smarter what do you say i i think this i think only only science fiction people can be smart in my opinion but it's, i'm biased I'm wow biased. so biased and i can't agree with you more this has been the sff audio podcast please join us at www.sffaudio.com <laughs>